Welcome to the Elite Health Podcast, where we teach you how to improve your health, body, mind, so you can feel the best version of yourself. And we are joined by very interesting guests with very interesting stories to teach you how they overcame their struggles and how they actually became the best versions of themselves. So today we're joined by Annie Price. Annie, do you want to give us a little introduction as to who you are, how we met, a little bit about yourself? Yeah, gladly. Thank you very much for having me, number one. I'm Annie. I'm the creator of Well Woman Club, which is a club, much like you, you want to try and help people with on-the-ground fitness, tangible ways to actually feel good. And I'm a TV presenter. Awesome, awesome. So how do we know, how do we actually know each other? We've talked for a bit, but how do we actually, how did we come to meet? So it was through the masterminds. So guys, I hope you're listening, always learning. So it's come through the mastermind and yeah, we just chatted from that, haven't we? Yeah, so... We're in the fitness space as well, and we are both really trying to help people, and that's one of the big goals that we want to really push out there as well. So for you, you have like a very interesting story and an interesting background as well. So do you want to give us a little background as to your early life and what that was like for you and how you actually came up and grew up as well? For sure. I mean, how long have you got? No, I'm kidding. I'll keep it short for you. Uh, so I was born into a traveller family. Uh, my birth mother was white, so as a husband. And then at four weeks old, uh, sorry, I came out black, which put her in a very difficult situation, obviously. And then at four weeks old, I was in a fire, and I was saved by an unknown, not really sure who. And uh, from then on the story i was told was my mom tried to kill herself which is obviously not nice for anyone to grow up thinking um i was in hospital thereafter for about seven to eight months because i suffered third degree burns to my where you can see my face both my hands my arm the top of my head always wear a wig um <clears throat> i was lucky i was lucky i was uh, fostered from about nine ten months and then i was adopted by the same family six years later um yeah it was a bit of an interesting checkered history but ultimately I was a lot of love there from the nurses the doctors my foster parents I was quite lucky in the end in terms of your actual early life itself what kind of struggles may you have faced coming up as well and of course I know it can I can only imagine that it was difficult growing up as well so were there any difficulties that you felt you had in terms of feeling different compared to anyone else when you were growing up? Yeah, certainly, for sure. I think that, you know, not crazy. I knew that I was very different from a young age. Um, but I also reasoned that we were all different. Now, obviously, I didn't tan you know, say it like this, um, but as a kid, you know, we're all very different. You've got red hair, dark hair, white skin, dark skin, big, tall, skinny, big. You know, there's, everyone's so different. I kind of just felt like we're all different. My different was just, oh, she's blonde and short, and I'm dark-haired and short and burnt, you know? So I didn't. it didn't hit home how sort of possibly unique is a nice way to put it. I was compared to other people until much later, until I got to about 15, 16, really. Obviously, there were some difficulties. I'm not going to pretend there wasn't. Um, I think none of us passed through school without any 
arguments or minor bullying, if you like. But I was always very quite... Um, I was the youngest of three kids, you know. So you learn how to throw a punch. And I did. And quite frequently when I was younger. But I was lucky because uh, the support network and the teachers and the people around me, I was never, I never really got berated for what I did. You know, like if there was a trouble and I solved it in a more animalistic way than words, um, yes, I was pulled aside and I had to go and sit apart from people and whatnot. But it was always behind closed doors. Like, we understand why you did that. And fair enough, because that's a fair reaction. However, Annie, you cannot do that. So they were very logical and emotionally trying to help me through those situations. Like, yes, you're right. And yes, sometimes people do fully deserve a smack in the mouth, whether no matter how PC you want to be. But absolutely not. You cannot do that because you will be the one that gets the consequences of that. So I was. they helped me be really self-aware from a young age about how to react and not to react. Um, and also separate how I felt and my thoughts with, you know, the permanence of it, you know, how I was thinking at the time. doesn't mean I'm always going to be like that. And to understand that, yes, I can be frustrated and upset in one area, but there could be another area which things are going really well. And that's super important, I think, because when you're going through a struggle or things very difficult, you can, you can fall into that black hole where you think, this, that's all there is. And certainly now on social media, everyone talks about trauma and, you know, working through these things. And what people forget that you don't have to live there. Absolutely, you can go through some hellish times. But also, absolutely, you can have a wonderful time in another area. You know, yeah, it was a lot of difficulties for me growing up. But did I have a really great family life? Was I doing really well with sport at school and outside of school? Yes. You know, so you can have two emotions going along at the same time. So... This is all to say that, yes, there was a lot of challenges. I'm not going to... And even looking back, especially now I've got kids because I've never sort of leaned in and looked at myself enough to feel sorry for myself. But now I've got kids and I can see, you know, I can I can appreciate there's some really difficult things that I went through as a kid. Um, but I was just... Re- I was supported enough. You know, I was... I was. I had, I had someone I could speak to. They didn't give me good answers and they weren't particularly helpful. But actually having a sounding board, I've realised over time, is, is, is enough. It's enough and that can really help. I can imagine that you've really built the resilience throughout your younger life. And I think trauma is one of the biggest face... Trauma, I truly believe trauma is one of the biggest things in life that you can really pull yourself all the way down into the ground with or grow from. And for you, how did you really get to a point where you told yourself that you are going to grow from your current situation? Um, so <clears throat> there's always a question in a question because that is a great question, but it's also worth saying that like life's not like the movies. Like, for instance, more often than not, the worst part of feeling bad or going through trauma or feeling terrible is that actually you don't realise how bad it is because you're so far gone. And so you can't actually see, oh my gosh, you know, I'm actually in a bad place, I need help. So more often than not, when you're in a difficult situation, you're just ploughing on. You go in that survival mode of just going, I'm going to move forward, I'm going to move forward, I'm going to move forward. And it isn't until the dust settles that you can go, hold on, actually, I need to do some work on this. So there's a double-edged sword, you know. Trauma, trauma's two things, you know. You can either get through of it inside out, therapy, 
talking, journaling, parents, speaking to parents if you're lucky enough to have that. Or you can do it outside in. You know, focus on work, focus on your body, training. You know, there's two different ways. At some point or another, I think that you're going to need to understand that you need to do both, especially from the inside out. However, sometimes you can't do that. So I think when people say to me, like, how did I get through difficult times? You know, I was quite fortunate. I had a lot of, a lot of difficult times, and I used a mixture of both. So I never got that wonderful epiphany of going, you know what, that's enough. I'm going to move forward. And I think that one of my, I wouldn't say it annoys me, but I certainly don't think it's true, and I don't like the narrative of it, is that people, especially all the successful people that you hear, they talk about their story. They talk about how well they've done, how they've rised up from all these different things. But in reality, they did that in spite of who they are, not because of it. You know, a lot of what they've done is luck. You know, things happen in the right place. I'm not taking away their hard work. I'm not taking away um, their effort. But people forget that luck isn't just being in the right time, at the right, you know, right place, right time. It's you're born in England. You're born in a certain country. You're not born in the 60s. You know, you have an older brother and sister, so you're used to the wildness of being in, you know, a community situation. There's so many variables that these things happen. So people always think, oh, you know, they've done this, I'm going to follow their path to success, when in reality it's lots of things. It's the small steps. I know for a fact you'll, you'll you know, when I get there, you'll see what I mean, and that this is why I love fitness, is that everything's a game of inches. You take one step forward, you take another step forward. You're not going to wake up with a six-pack. You're not going to wake up and be able to double your bench press. You're not going to suddenly be okay with running 10 miles. They're gifted to you when you pay the price. And that's the same with all this trauma. There's never a moment. You're never going to get something and suddenly everything is going to change. You're going to do different things step by step and it will come. You know, you'll be able to change because you've, taking little steps to improve the situation you're in. But for me, going back to a specific situation, I remember I was about 15 or 16. I had difficulties before then, but I could, I, you know, they're like just part of, part of life, let's just say. Um, and to paint the picture of how I was, let's say people would stare at me a lot. I looked a bit more harsher back then because I didn't wear makeup. I didn't wear a wig. So I, I did look very severe. So it was a bit more shocking. Um, but people would always comment, shout, follow me. I've been attacked three times. Um, uh, if I went into a coffee shop, the waitress wouldn't always address me. They would speak to who I'm with. I'm like, would she like, you know what I mean? And it seems like small things. But obviously, that constant like chipping away really drops your confidence. It makes you feel not even stupid or something, it makes you more feel like a leper of the world, like you don't fit and you don't belong anywhere. Um, so that was kind of where I was at this point. Anyway, so now, I'm 15, 16, like all my friends, you want to earn a bit of cash at the weekend, get a job in a shop. I did as well. Um, and my friends had jobs in clothes shops like H&M or whatever. I wanted the same thing. Did my CV, walked around, sent it out, gave it out. Um, but I didn't hear anything back. Unless I emailed it, then I get a call in. And as I walked into the shop, I'd see the shopkeeper's face, like, fall, like, get really uncomfortable. I would get that uncomfortable, you know, and then it was just this really awkward exchange of, uh, yeah, suffice to say I didn't get a job, 
you know and that for me was like the worst part because I just thought oh my goodness you know if I can't get hired if I can't if I can't get a job in in what was a shop that I didn't even really want to work what else can I do and that's the problem with thoughts as I was telling you earlier like there's no neutral thoughts wherever you start and look at you're gonna go you know so for me I started to question everything like if I can't get a job in a shop can I have a relationship will I meet a guy that I want to be with will I be able to have more friendships if I can't work, can I buy a house? What am I going to be dependent on my parents forever? You know what I mean? Like it was just this constant cycle of you know this spiraling, um, and for me, like there wasn't an epiphany out of that. I was just really low for a while, and that's not who I am. I'm very sociable, like you know, you know me. I'm very sociable. I love people. I love chatting. I like being out and about, and it just felt super low. And as I say, the worst part about that was I didn't really know how to tangibly say it. Because I knew no one could help. No one's going to magic, you know, throw a wand over that situation and make it better. And it takes time. But what I did to get out of that, which is helpful and it's something I recommend, and it's a stage that I would say most people either bypass or maybe don't even see it as a stage, is that before you can go near unpicking parts of a situation and your behaviour and your own mindset, you just need to change where you are because you can't make good decisions off of that. And luckily for me, my attention span is short as hell. So I just got bored of being sad, to be put it frank. You know, I wanted to be happy. I wanted to enjoy what I was doing. Um, and that's what I did. You know, I just hung out with my pals again. Started doing more sport again. I was doing trampolining, competing at trampolining competitively at the time. Um, so I was just leaning back into the things that I loved. I loved writing. So I was doing, writing stories and whatnot. So I had lots of avenues that I could sort of enjoy. And then when you're in that space, then when you try to make decisions, you're going to be coming from a lot better position than if you'd made decisions when you're feeling your worst. So that's something I'd always recommend if anyone's going through a difficult time. Don't try and hop to solution phase, you know, because you're probably in a bad state. And this goes for everything. It doesn't, and it doesn't mean you have to live there months in that let's, you know, and you can take it to extremes. I'm not talking about staying at the party too long. I'm just saying lift your mood, watch a fun movie, hang out with people you love. Um, and then I was able to say, okay, Annie, enough's enough. Like, this sucks, and these things keep happening. And I was young, right? So I was a teenager. So what do what teenagers want to say? Life's unfair, you know? So it doesn't matter what I would have been gone through. A teenager is going to want to say things like that. And that's how I felt. Like, this is so unfair, this situation. Why is this happening? It's so annoying. Why do I have to put up with this? You know, and I felt kind of trapped. And that's a horrible feeling for anyone, I think. Um, but again, that's probably one of the best lessons I've ever learned. And I can, I wouldn't even say I'm proud of it. I would think it's quite a sad thing, but I'm probably one of the happiest people I know. And I think it's because of this, what I'm about to say now. So listen, because this is the bit that, it helps. In life, no matter what happens and how unfair it is or whose fault it is, win, lose or draw, it is your responsibility it's our responsibility to deal with it you know it's absolutely not my fault that my mum couldn't handle the situation and I was burnt it's not my fault that people are going to react and I'm probably going to get the short end of the stick there but if I took responsibility of that situation could I make it better for sure I can what could I have done in that shop situation I could have put my chest up put my chin up a bit higher put you know put on a nice little outfit walked in there and said, hey, listen, 
Um, I know it's probably a bit difficult, but honestly, I'm super confident. I love your clothes, whatever the hell they are. I would love to work here. Can I have even just a week? I'll do a free half week for you. You'll see. Customers will really get on with me. We'll sell the shit out of all your stuff. You know, I could have done any number of things in that situation. But obviously, I was young. I was nervous. I wanted them to say, come in, come in, come in. You can do this. And sometimes you're just not going to have that. You know, we're not all going to have that, that, you know, that opportunity where people are always going to open the door wide for you. And as I say, like, me having to crawl into most situations I have, you know, fighting my ass into it, has given me a perspective and happiness that I'm not sure many have, um, or certainly they don't get until much further down the line. And again, I don't say this to be, you know, bragging. It's so far from it. It's more that I, I don't know how else I can say to others, but lean into the difficult times. Like, they're going to be challenges, And if you don't make a purposeful effort to pick up challenges that are your own, when something comes, and it will, because that is life, it will knock you for six and you will say, why me? Why can't I do this? Life's hard. I'm sad. I'm scared. And you'll turn into a a crumbling mess and it will hurt. Now, I'm not going to say for a second that you're ever going to be shielded from that. However, I will say you'll absolutely feel so much more better about it if you know that you can say to yourself, oh, you know what, I've been through this before. I know you, I know this feelings. I know this. And you can then say, okay, I can wrestle with a self-doubt here. I can, I can move through this. Yeah, these are my thoughts, but I'm the bit that can react to those thoughts you know I don't have to listen to that I can say hey come on Annie let's calm down here things are difficult let's lean into that self-care let's go back to the drawing board you know and that's when you actually learn that you can sort of take care of yourself and that's really what self-care is you know it's unfortunately it's not crystals and jewelry hot baths and too much wine it's it's pausing when things are difficult and so I think that the only way you can get that is by by going through the difficult honestly that is super super inspiring i have the utmost respect for people who do take absolute responsibility and ownership for the outcome of their lives despite their situations and it is very very respectable and and i know it for you as well like i'm sure it's applied to all aspects of your life so what helped you really make that mental shift to take responsibility for everything that has come up in terms of hardships, struggles, what really helped you make that leap into becoming the better version of yourself in terms of how you view the world and how your perspective of other people, your situations changed? It feels better to take responsibility is the short answer. It's scary at first because you don't want to. And remember as well, I'm not a saint. I do it when I have to. I, I, make, my, I make myself laugh because I feel like I'm, um, I say I'm a lazy squatter. You all know, we all train someone or we train ourselves. And we, what I mean by that is when you squat heavy with a barbell on a squat rack. So when you're doing a warm up, you put a little bit of weight. You're not going to go straight up to your personal best. You're going to do a little bit of weight. Now, until I get up to my 
big heavy weight, I don't fire. You know, my glutes aren't really going. My knees aren't out. I'm not, I haven't got the fire in my belly. I'm not ready to rock and roll. But when that weight is on my back and the choice is stand up or you're on your ass, that's when I go in. So again, you know, we've all got our, our, uh, our, our chips that we need to focus on and, and learn and grow on. So yeah, so I, I definitely have to put myself in hot water to get moving sometimes. <clears throat> but no, ultimately, it's because it feels better taking responsibility for what you do. It's horrible to feel unsure and, I hate saying it, but it's true, scared. You know, it's scary. It's scary when you're, when things are really challenging and life's hard and you don't know how it's going to go and there's so much that's outside of your control, it, it's, it's just really scary, you know, and you just want to, like, run off and have someone hold you and make it okay. And I think, you know, where I've gone through that and there's points in my life where I could run to someone and say, give me a hug. You know, my, my adopted mum, who I would never call my adopted mum, but for just to explain here, she, there's times where she would hug me and say, like, yeah, I think, you know, don't know. I mean, I don't know how, I don't know. And that's horrible because then you think, okay, you don't know, I don't know. There's a whole vacuum of I don't know. That's that's the only thing that's left is fear. And that's where anxiety comes in. And I think that with anxiety, for instance, it can, if if left unattended, and that's what people do, they like to say they've got it, but then they don't want to turn around and look into it. When you actually look at it, I think it's more about not being able to trust yourself. That's where that all comes from. Um, you know, you don't trust how you'll react. You don't trust how you'll feel. You don't trust yourself to be strong enough in a certain situation. And I do mean that metaphorically, not in any other way. And so then, for me, the only way I can sort of learn to make sense of it is saying, right, how can I trust myself? You know, how can I, how can I feel more confident in myself? So that's a big question. Like, how do you get more confident? There's only one way to get more confident. And despite the affirmations and the, you know, visualization of of things which absolutely helps and I do believe in affirmations on the level and I do absolutely visualize myself I think that's excellent tool but you have to actually do the thing you're only going to get confident by achieving what you said that's what confidence is there's no other way I think that's where things are going a little bit wrong now people are trying to talk themselves into being confident you can tell it to whoever you want. You can say it out loud as much as you want, but you know. Your head hits the pillow. It's only you and yourself. We know. You know? And remember, when I talk about confidence, I didn't say smashing it. I did not say that. I said confidence. Confidence is saying, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I'm going to succeed. I don't know what's going to... How things are going to land. But I'm okay with trying. That's what confidence is. You know, and that's one of the biggest and the best things you can do. And one of the main things I, I see as my role to give my children, you know, because ultimately I'm not going to be around forever and I just want them to be okay with themselves enough to do the things they want. And that's about it. How did you find yourself to ask, yourselves these, ask yourself these questions, the right questions that helped you level up in every area of your life? What really made you ask yourself these questions as to 
what the next step actually was. I was literally just about to say, I'm gonna, it's uh, what's on my phone? Fine. I was just gonna let you finish that because that was a really nice question. Um, yeah, and then I was gonna do it, but I'll do it now. But you're gonna have to re-ask that question because it was a really good question. Okay. I'm so sorry, it's always on silence. I forget that it's even there. How did you, you said, how did you know to ask yourself the right questions or something in that way? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> uh, so how did you find yourself to be able to ask the right questions to help you level up in every area of your life and know what to ask yourself as well? You don't. You don't. I'm articulate now because of hindsight. I'm not articulate now because I've been through challenges. And this is an issue as well. Like, a lot of people have been through challenges. In fact, everyone's been through challenges. And so people think that alone means something. You know, I, I, that's the difference between, you know, age and wisdom. You don't get wisdom just because you got age. You know, it's how you go through a challenge, how you react to the challenge, how you reflect on it, and you need to reflect on it. You only get to reflect on it when you've been through it. You know, and I'm only going to reflect on it because it's gone wrong. You know, I'm not sitting here because I've done it right. I'm sitting here because I've done it wrong. And I've made so many mistakes. And I was so emotional as a child and as a teenager. And I would say even up until I was about 25. And that's me being kind. And what I mean my emotional was then I was like hot-headed. You know? Um, I was just the girlfriend. Oh, I can't even want to say this. I was the sort of girlfriend. <laughs> you annoy me. Your clothes are going out the window. You know what I mean? I was one of them. Um, people always talk about like the crazy girl. And I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I'm only saying that as an example because it's obviously I, I think it's not so about them or it could have been anything and it was in all areas of my life like it was too enthusiastic you know stayed at the party too long uh, you know I was all in high octane and yes that I think looking back served me well in my relationships you know and I'm not talking about like love male relationships I'm talking about my friendships which is for me, the most important thing, relationships. Um, however, it's been detrimental in most all other areas of my life as well um, and allowed me the opportunity to make a wonderful spectrum of mistakes. So I was given the opportunity. Do you like why I was talking about this? I was given the opportunity to learn because I had to. There's only so many, so long you can keep making the same mistakes. Um, and I still do it now. Like there's so there's areas of my life that I fly, and I believe I fly. I'm proud of myself. Um, that's another thing I want people to do more is, is 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 lean into when you do things well because that's also an important part of it. It's just as bad to deny the good as it is to lean in and wallow in the bad. Like you actually have to say like I'm doing well here. I'm doing good in that area. I've done this good thing. Like, certainly for me, like, creating a, a calm and consistent mental headspace is one of the biggest keys to success in all areas. And I don't just mean, I'm absolutely not even talking about business, although absolutely that is it. I'm talking about relationships, all these different things. And that's something that I've had to work on. So for me, bringing my emotions down, um, I, I was just forced into it. And as I say, I've, I've had so many opportunities to get it wrong. Whereas I think most people don't. You know, I think most people really only go through difficult times because they might have, you know, sadly a, a family member die or 
they don't get hired the job they want or they get fired or they go through a difficult breakup or might have a shady relationship where someone does some sort of domestic violence either way back or forth which are all horrible things but as much as we a lot of people won't want to admit it's privilege of living they're normal problems uh i wonder if i'm damaged goods by saying that's a normal problem i don't know but yeah like they're they're pretty average i would think they're a part of life um and then you know you don't get the opportunity to to, to lean into it whereas for me i there were so many things you know that you know, I couldn't, I couldn't live like that. It hurts. You know, it's always going to be pain. Like, it hurt to, to, to feel like, like, if I could imagine it, it would be like the London Underground. Like, my, my head and my emotions were just, like, crazy, and I couldn't breathe. I couldn't relax. I was like, how, you know, I can't, I can't keep doing the same thing. Um, it was never an intentional, you know, any wisdom or kindness you'll give me there, Azri, it's not deserved, like, I didn't, intelligently say honey Adela, come on you've made this mistake a third time now you shouldn't do it again I was like Annie you've made this mistake 55 times sort your life out like come on things must change um and also I I, I know what I I know the trajectory of my life and where I want to go and I'm very simple in that way of going okay if I do that I'm not going to I'm not going to get that. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I completely understand. So I was always super reactive to everything around me in terms of situations. Really? I can't imagine that. I used to be. So I grew. I basically grew up very, very quickly in a very, very short period of time. When? So I was quite young when I realized that everything that didn't serve me in terms of my emotions didn't need to be there and anything I couldn't change didn't deserve my thoughts at that point so that's good for me like the main main thing that did help actually tone me down actually helped me gain control was routine structure and fitness gym gym is basically where i let all my emotions run in a controlled environment basically so how i know you went all into that how did that actually apply to your life would you say um same as you that was my Cornerstone. I didn't realise it then, but I'd always done sport. I did gymnastics, trampolining. I did all of those for like 15 years. Did judo. It was always, I didn't realise at the time, but it, that was my outlet. And I needed things that I could go, you know, absolutely to town with. Um, and then I became a personal trainer sort of, just, cause I, just for the joy of it. It wasn't ever supposed to be the forever job. Um, but yeah, I love it. Like, I love it. You know, and it was one of those, I was working myself. Um, I was able to, sorry, I'm just thinking, that's not how I got into it. I originally started, I wanted to be a journalist, and I wanted to, I had to get uh, office experience uh, until I could work for a paper, that was my, my dream, Lovers Lane. Um, and then I, but I got a job in a gym because my sister's pal was a manager, and she said, I'll work as a personal trainer, you'll get, it's good cash, good money, bearing in mind I was, you know, it's good money when you're 20, right? Uh, and then you can do some writing on the sides, but as we all know, there's no on the side when you're doing a job because it's all in. But actually, I loved it. I love it. You know, we we get the best of the nation, really. They get to, you know, they're treating on me to come and see a personal trainer. So you get to make them either balance their lifestyle, fit into a pair of jeans, make some changes, feel good for that portion of their day. 
I loved it. In fact, that was one of the best things for me at that time because I was mid-20s. Life was wild. I was still very, like, cray. Um, and being able to help people took the pressure off my own issues. I think so many times whenever I speak to people that are in a particularly bad spot, it's because they're almost, they've created that in that they, there's no other outlet, you know. They don't have anyone to, anything else to focus on. So I had to focus on earning a living. I moved out at like 19, so I had to keep a roof over my head. Um, I had to make this job work because I went straight for working for myself. Um, and I had to help people and help them get their results and help them feel great. And that was a privilege to do that and be able to focus on them. And that gave me so much perspective and going, wow, you know, I'm actually not that important at all. You know, in the scheme of things, we've all got difficulties going on right now. You know, so yeah, that... Um, that was a big one. Uh, but no, fitness and gym and training has always been, as you say, so good. And it's I think that's the one thing, it's a bit of a shame. Most people only focus on the end result and the long-term gains from training. But the immediacy of feeling amazing is wonderful. Like you can go in and do, you know, even 20 minutes in reality, do a big session, 60, whatever, however long you're going to do, and you can feel great. And a lot can change. And I'm sure everyone can... Uh, understand you know imagine when you're in the shower you've got a problem and you go have a shower or you're cleaning or you're driving and where your brain is like focused on something um practical suddenly it's a little bit more creative and you start thinking outside the box and you can see around your problem you can depersonalize it and that's kind of what happened in the gym i wouldn't walk in there knowing my problems are going to be solved but i'd walk in there train hard feel great and then be like hold on i feel a little bit better about the situation and then things will come you know so for me it was just so linked to feeling you know having a good life I just took it for granted fitness for me has always been almost like cleaning your teeth whereas I think a lot of people when they start fitness it's like I love it I want to be the best shape of my life I want to feel look do it whereas for me it was never really like that I only did um uh competitive uh, like bikini shows and things much later and that was even after I'd trained women to get on stage I only did it because I was in a gym where everyone was doing it and I thought actually I might as well do one or two shows myself because I'm, I'm doing it I'm going through it with all my clients you know and I knew it wouldn't be that outside of my life anyway um but yeah no so for me it's um yeah I feel very lucky that I got I, I fell into fitness do you find that now this is where your main purpose lies in helping other people and serving other people with your with their fitness goals and do you think that subconsciously because it was for me as well something that really brought back control in your life and transcending goals which you're really trying to shoot for and reach because we know the fitness business side of things as well that's a big thing that plays on the back end and really trying to improve that so you can serve more people was like a big goal for me and do you feel that is why you also feel the need to help more and more people now is it more purpose-driven or would you say it's also part of where you find the most fulfillment right now it's absolutely where i feel my most fulfilled work for me and helping people feel good it's it's both like a purpose and it selfishly just makes me feel good in the moment like i get so much from seeing people feel good from the effort that they've put into something because I feel like the narrative of life is always 
things will get better. Wait, breathe, affirm, light a candle, drink a couple of bottles of wine. And it's like, oh no, go for a walk. Squat, your body weight, and you tell me you don't feel amazing. You know, when people people go, come to me, they don't come really to have a mindset shift and be able to reframe how they see themselves in the mirror or anything like that. They come because they're, oh, I want to lose some weight. And I'll roll with that, you know, I'll go for that. I know for a fact, for them to actually do that permanently and for them to enjoy and change their whole lifestyle, it's about them putting their heart and their head in the game and understanding that it's less about the, the losses and more about the gains. I get to move my body. I get to feel stronger. I get to become this next thing. So, yeah, absolutely. I do believe I'd always want to help people. I could do talks as well. And I think that everyone's got their purpose and you can kind of apply it to different things. But I just think you can't be, you can't be training. And I come from like a working class background, you know. We don't all have therapists. We don't have green outside of our home. We don't all have support networks. But being able to say, I'm going to take control and, you know, set up my routine and have a little bit more water or take myself off to the gym or do a little session in my home, that's so empowering. I would find, I think that's, it's almost criminal if I didn't share that with people. I would feel bad if people didn't know that. What made you help other people really make that shift from, you know, I have to, to I get to? What Was it more you felt like you had the responsibility to make other people feel the same way that you did when you had your real positive feeling within yourself from fitness? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that everything has to at the beginning, you know, because I didn't really know, but you just naturally fall into a certain place. I was in the fitness industry, and I want you to help people immediately. I want to help the person next to me. I want to help them get a bit better. And you have to do it because you need to also, it's also a job. You want to earn money. You want to keep a roof over your head. And I think people try and always separate the two and, and act like that's terrible. I don't think it is. I think it's um, that's what real you know, well-being is, it's been able to keep a roof over your head, look after yourself, eat good foods, and that all comes in, fitness, work, all of these things, so it's all important. But then the I get to portion came when, like everything, time, you realise like, wow, like this is such a great job. And I think a lot of people think personal trainers, I certainly did, like this is all there, like the silly end of people that can't sit down for too long, because that's what I was. Um, but it's just so fun. And the joke of it is, is you you know, to be a personal trainer, it's not really easy. You know, it's not really easy. You'd probably do better working as in an office somewhere or doing something like that. Um, so if you want to be a personal trainer and you want to do it certainly well into your adult life, you you know, you, it's something you want to do. You want to help people um, love fitness and pick it up in themselves and change how they feel about themselves. Very true, very true. And, you know, there is definitely a moment where I know it can feel like it's a lot with, especially what we're doing, like we have a team we're handling and it might seem a little full on at times. So I can only imagine that, you know, anxiety, um, nervousness does play a big part in your life and handling that is something that you may have had to do. And I also know it's like a big struggle for most people really handling their anxiety and self-doubt as well. So how did you really come to overcome that sort of self-limiting beliefs as well as to pushing past that? 
such a great question. Um, that's one that I always ask people because I always want to know what little gems they've got as well. Um, so, again, it's it's learning that. It's the same with the exercise, the same with everything that. Number one, I think that people, we hit often hit a wall and get anxious is when there's too much, basically. It's too, it's, especially when you're talking in this realm where it's overwhelm and it's too much and you love it, but I'm knackered. And, you know, certainly parents and mums, we feel it in that, I love my children so much, I love my family, but I'm knackered. Please go away. I want to hide in the cupboard. Let me drink a warm cup of coffee. Don't pull on my hair. You know what I mean? So, like, no matter how much you love it, you can still want to run far and wide from it. Um, so I think, number one, don't react, thinking these feelings are meaning you need to hop for it out of that situation. It doesn't always mean that. It just means that you are overwhelmed for what it is. So I think, number one, just try and accept where you are and notice it. I think the worst part is that most of the time we we are anxious, we are feeling on edge, we don't feel great, we become reactive, um, and then we don't look after ourselves. And we don't actually realise, hold on, if I'd accepted this earlier and sort of kept a bit of an eye on how I'm feeling earlier and how I'm behaving, we could have pulled it back a bit earlier. So I think often, trying to learn yourself enough to know, actually, the stage is way before massive high-end overwhelm. You know, you don't go from okay to, oh my goodness, that's not how it works. There's, there's some there's some benchmark, there's some points in between that. And you're not going to do that straight away. You know, as I say, it just goes through it. You'll start looking and you'll be like, oh, actually, I see now. Oh, yeah, I see. I didn't want to go to that event, and I still did. I didn't want to take that call at that time. I, I still pushed it. I didn't. It stacks up, you know. So, again, that's a learning one, so that's more something that you want to do later on. But in the moment with anxiety and feeling nervous it's it's a big point to remember that what helps you when you are 20 to feel good is not what's going to help you when you are 30 or when you're 40 or when you're 70 for me self-care was you know having a bottle of red wine or eight with my friends you know hanging out till late chatting eating that would absolutely ruin me if I did the same things now. And I think when people can sometimes have a difficult time is when they're still uh, using the same things that they did try to do before, you know, still trying to drink, still trying to eat, trying to stay up late. You know, those things actually just add into it. Because I think a lot of anxiety isn't just about the emotions of the thing that you think you're being anxious about. It's usually a lot of it is because you're not doing the basics. Um, and as I say, I learned this the hard way. You know, I'm really good at saying, come on, guys, same as you. What time are you going to bed? Have you had your six portions of fruits and veggies a day? Have you had any play? You know, have you been hanging out with people? Have you listened to music in the car and just singing? Have you done nothing for two hours? Have you watched some Netflix guilt-free? Have you, you know what I mean? Like, you, we tell people these things, it's hard to take our own advice, so... It's really, really good to, before you run straight to, um, you know, therapy, although absolutely I'm a massive fan of therapy as well, what are you doing? Are you sleeping? Like, for me, that's probably the very first one. If I'm feeling like I want to jump off the edge of a cliff, I probably need to have a really long sleep, number one. Number two, have I eaten much? I go one of two ways. I can work and work and work, haven't eaten all day. What happens? We're all human. What's going to happen if you're working away and you don't eat? You're going to inhale it. So, you, again, that's not going to be helpful because you could put yourself in a little carb coma. Um, and let's face it, if you're going to in, eat a lot, you're probably not going to be eating a massive bowl of salad. It's probably going to be 
some things you might not want to be eating, you know? So just focus on the basics, I'd say, number one, which is hard to do because it's boring and we think my problems are so much bigger than a glass of water on an early night. But it but it really is. Like, do that for five nights on the trot and tell me life is a hell of a lot better. Um, so that one is a, is a big one, the boring but true one. And then the thoughts, you have to actually, you do have to journal it. You have to... You have to journal it. Um, I, I find actually speaking out loud helps. And I don't know, you know, I'm not a doctor. I don't know anything um, research-wise. This is just what I found has helped me and helped people that I've sort of given advice to and they've told me that it has helped. Is that you kind of have to write it down. And when I say write it down, I don't mean be... Don't be, uh, you know, Oprah about it and try and write out a beautiful novel of the hows and whys and unpick your own behavior i mean often waking up or anytime get a notebook and just free write those emotions get them out like get them out and what you'll find as well when you say them you you probably won't really feel them they're just these emotions like do i want to escape my family no i don't want to escape my family but do i oh actually when i write to see it in paper oh, yeah, maybe I could do five minutes to myself. You know? You know, get it out. I, I'm knackered. I don't... Just get these words out of yourself. And that's what, as well, I mean when you say it out loud. Um, and you kind of just need to hear it. And that's why, you know, when you chat with a friend and you talk about their problems and you speak and you tell them everything and then they give you some advice and you're like, oh, I'm not going to take that advice because it's rubbish. But you actually still feel great because you spoke. It's the same thing. Like... You need to say these things out loud. And can I say, I'm not mean. I would say that to my friend. They would tell me to please stop being silly and take their advice. That was very, very crass with each other. Um, But yeah, so I would say as much as you want to bounce past it, you do have to do some level of work. Same as anything. You know, there's no such thing as a free lunch. 100%. I think that's super insightful, by the way. And the main thing that really goes back to is, you know, asking yourself the right questions and not trying to skip a thousand steps before you know when before doing the thing that you know you have to do to get to where you want to go yeah it's good to add as well because we're all especially trainers and people with businesses are really good at logically knowing um and i find that okay so i say this to my clients often they say you know i know i should eat vegetables I know that I should move more. I know I should eat a little bit less if I want to lose weight. But if you're not doing it, you don't know. It means you logically know, but emotionally the connects on this, you don't know. And that goes with all areas. Like, you could, you know, that's what happens. We go, oh, yeah, I know, I know. I've talked about it, I've done it. But have you actually done it? Have you? You know, and you know. 100%. I think accountability, the right community, support, mentors. Like, we have mentors ourselves. And having that in every area of your life at all times is the biggest cheat code to fast-tracking your life, really. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm going through it myself again. Um, and, like, this is why, as I say, I can take it slightly mildly amusing. I'm not happy about it. Um, one of our mentors sort of spoke to me about it the other day, um, and I, you know, I said, honestly, he said, how are you? I said, I'm all right. I'm, things are stinging a little bit at the moment. It's a bit painful. So I'm paying for the mistakes I've made but they're all my doing I have to sort it out I have to make the changes that need to be done for it 
And there's a lot of lessons that have been learned this last, I would say, six months specifically, like raw top end lessons. And there's nowhere for me to go. You know, I can't I can't say I would love, you know, and people say, oh, you know, you're wise. I, I tell you, I would love to relinquish responsibility. I want to point that finger. I really do. It's so much fun. But it doesn't get you anywhere. So you have to actually do the work. But I'm in it now. I'm in it now with the guys. But yeah, I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't have them there. Like, yeah, I, it's the best thing. I think it's, yeah, you need it. Enthusiasm and motivation, no matter how much you love something, doesn't last. You need to get someone to keep you on course. And also as well, you know, you don't know what you don't know is massive. Like, I had no idea what I did not know. And and often as well, a mentor allows you and, and, and broadens your thinking space. I wouldn't have thought as big if I hadn't have a mentor throughout my life at each stage. Definitely. I think someone who's been there, done it, has that much more experience is going to pull you up so much faster than you running around in circles trying to guess yourself and then (laughs) inevitably coming back to the same place where you end up burnt out feeling frustrated because, you know, I think you can only really try and fail so many times before you give up on yourself or you get so demoralized to a point where you don't want to do it anymore. You don't want to actually chase the goal that you really want to go for. So I always think that mentors have that, keep you on that level of accountability where you know you should be at, but you might not be able to keep yourself there. So how do you feel that for you, like you've been able to help other people with your actual coaching side of things? So you know, you're, uh, of course, well into the coaching side of space with um, your fitness journey, helping other people with the same struggles that you may have come across on your fitness journey. Mm-hmm. How do you keep other people accountable? How do you help them exactly? Um, that's my favorite part. I love the coaching. And I think that's where I told you about the play and the fun. Because of business, I'd been focusing on one area too much. Well, you know, we all have to... It's, it's normal, it's like life, I don't believe in balance, I believe in phases, there's times in life you've got to do this, some life you've got to do that, that's how it rolls, um, but you also do need to keep your hand into the things that bring you joy, and for me it's been coaching, I love it when my clients say, um, I'm overeating, I can't stop eating at three or at night, or how do I do, you know, that mindset shift, because that's what, obviously as we know, that's when the results are long term, that's how you maintain maintain it, and I'm, thinking, I'm pretty sure we can all agree, the result isn't even as exciting as seeing them two, three, four years down the line, still looking, feeling, performing, full of energy, and doing it themselves. Like, come on. That is literally... People that feel good, they do good. And I just want everyone to feel great. And you know what? If I'm not the smartest person out there, but I know something. I know how to keep people to be healthy and fitness. And if I can do that, brilliant. That's the way I spread it. But no, the coach, that's the fun bit. That's the, that's the nice bit. So the, on the ground, accountability... You always got to have it where there's a checking point. You know, you need to have someone to actually say, okay, let's speak. Don't let people go off too much. And then also, I would find that the best way to do it is shine a light on another area in their life where they're doing really well. Because I think that most people, you'll you'll know this. Um, I know you will. In that, you, you know, they do incredible things in some areas of their lives, in possibly business or their main parents or wonderful people and then it comes to their diet or nutrition and all logic goes out the window and they treat themselves like an animal 
and they're so horrible to themselves. And so it's actually less about saying eat more veggies and it's about saying if your friend had done what you'd done, had you know, had a great few months and then had a couple of wild weeks, would you speak to them how you're speaking to yourself right now? You know, open the floor. How would you treat someone else? And then they'll start going, ah, oh, okay. And as soon as they've dropped that and realised I'm not a bad person, then you can actually get to the practicalities. But I think that you need to also, you need to get rid of that uh, veneer. It's like what you said. You know, there's a logical and emotional side and everyone wants to do logic because it makes sense. And like what you said earlier, and I was, I've had to learn this the hard way, I used to be like, I'm not going to cry about that because, yeah, I'll cry, but in an hour's time, I'm going to be not crying and I would have lost that hour to just get on with it. And logically, that makes sense, you know? So I barely shed a tear for years. But actually, you you're not, you not you, you don't get to miss a step. You don't, you don't fall pregnant, have a baby for nine months, and then have a five-year-old. You've got to go through the six weeks, you have no idea what you're doing. You've got to go through these stages to learn, because that's why... That's how you continue, that's how you maintain, that's how you do everything. It's the same with the client, same with every other area of your life. There's no skipping steps. You've got to go through it. So again, I think it's just pausing people enough to say, look, yeah, it does make sense for you to not eat now for three days because you overate the other day. Yeah, it does make sense for you to, you know, only walk or whatever, you know, but you just got to pull them back and say, hey, you know, let's think about this. And it's more about the powers in the question, you know. Everyone knows. You know, you can Google the program. You can Google the food. You know, we we don't we're not here because we're given anything particularly special in that aspect. We're here because we're saying this is how you can actually apply it for your life, so you can have a good life. You know, and teach them how to do that. So yeah, that's a that's a fun part. That's very interesting, and of course, that's something that I feel you've helped many many people on their journeys with, not just in their physical journeys, but you know that. 80, 90% of it is mental and that's where real strengths and weaknesses do lie and mm. especially when you know health is at that base of the health wealth relationships pyramid and yeah. that's where you really see the actual long-term outcomes so how have you benefited would you say from the long-term outcomes of really working on your health and your fitness early on so many ways so many ways I'm going to give you one on the ground one that is so real because I've literally just gone I'm just going through it I've just been going through it and it's one of those moments where we all have it you have a minor moment and these are the only moments really that in life you're like wow and I needed it because I told you I was going through a bit of a wild wild time but in certain areas um so with training as we know again no missing steps you've got to do the dance you've got to you got to lean in, you got to go for it, you got to do the little bits. And and what's the most important part isn't so much that you stick to it, but it's that you, you know, imperfect action. You're showing up as much as you can, imperfectly as you can. You're learning the power of a reframe. You know, you've got to reframe the situation until it makes until it makes sense. You got to keep going, you got to appreciate the small steps. Um for me, how exercise has helped me directly is that I lately have had lots of operations on my scars. That's a lie had operations on myself since I was four weeks old but um since I'd say for about the last six years seven years 
I've gone, I've lent, lent back into operations because although the operations are free on NHS, like recovery is not free. You know, I need to work, and I and with scars, there's you know, there's no. It's not like having a nose job or a boob job, where it's like, oh, you'll be out for three weeks. It could be, yeah, it'd be fine for a couple of days, or oh, you know what, the skin graft didn't take. You could have an infection. You could be screwed now for four or five months. You know what I mean? So, I would, I just didn't do anything because, like, it's not worth the risk. Um, but now, like, I'm doing all these things, and you have these lasering. Like at the moment, it's big on laser, and it's basically these little, uh, what do you call it? Well, just like laser holes, needle like ho- holes in the scars to release the scar tissue. But like loads of them, it's hot, creates little cuts all over your face, all the scars. Anyway. This, there's a point here that's coming. Um, so after the operations, you have to deeply massage the tissue, which is vomititious in itself, but let's just get over that bit. But because of exercise, it's really hard to believe things are going to change. It's hard to believe I could lift that or I could do a pull-up with a 15-kilo plate. It's hard to believe I can do... You know, you can't see it, the end goal. This is why coach is so necessary. You can't believe in what's going to happen. Whereas with this with the scars it's just painful it's painful having it it's painful after it the massaging is painful it's uncomfortable and it's always three steps forward two steps back that's how it goes and you just keep going zigzag it's a constant massive zigzag but because of exercise i knew i knew the dance and actually the other day i saw a picture of myself from like eight years ago which isn't long in the scheme of things and i look so different like you know to put it in perspective my scars were so tight before I couldn't look left or right because I would, there were scars. I would have to turn my whole head to look around a room. It wasn't an issue. I didn't know it was a problem. So now I'm like, wow, this is this is wonderful. Peripheral, I can see everything. Um, but the point is, like, the groundwork, it's hard to take. And it's one of my surgeons always says, he's like, you know, we give you so much. Um, they sort of help me out and get me in, you know, a lot. And they're really great. Help me out a lot. Um, but he says, because you always do the... The, the graft, you do the afterwork, you do the aftercare, and you do the aftercare protocols to a T, um, whereas a lot of people don't do it. But I understand why they don't. It's hard. It hurts. And you can't believe it's going to change. Whereas exercise gives me that. Like, I know, I get it. I'm paying now, but I'll get it. But but you're not talking about days and weeks. You're talking about, like, years. And that's life, isn't it? I think it compounds as well, 100%. Yes, that's exactly it. It's definitely one of those things that the mental benefits and what you really build yourself up to as a person is what you actually take away because we know the physical side of things we'll work on consistently because of what we built from the mental side of things and that's where you do really see the benefits apply into everything with you know your personal relationships with the business side of things that's where you see constant change with the actual persistence throughout because you know there is an end. There is an end result, and it comes from the, the small actions taken every single day. So, hundred percent. So, you've actually gone into sharing a lot of your story as well on social media, on um, TV as well, presenting. How has that gone for you? Do you like the spotlight, and do you like the actual um, being able to have an influence as well? you know not necessarily being an influencer having the influence like do you feel that this is something that you really want to push further towards Mm, yeah i mean i'm all about the controllables right so i'm always going to be business first like i like my own business i love i love it i don't you know that's my number one 
I want to have my company. I love helping other people. Um, and I said before, like you have a purpose. It doesn't mean you can't. It doesn't transcend into other arenas. Like I, for me, I didn't. I've been asked to do my story in different ways, with TV stuff. Before that as well, before I did the first show, the initial show, um, and I was really on the fence because I was I was scared basically. You know, my my um past, I didn't know I didn't know if I was digging away in my past. I didn't know if people were going to be okay with it. If I'd hurt people, um, like my people I was related to possibly. So I was scared and I didn't really, I didn't know. Um, but in the end, what sort of pushed it over the fence was my mum said, um, you know, you might enjoy it number one and two probably going to help a lot of people by explaining your story and you know regardless if you know you don't have to be given a positive outcome but just actually simply sharing your corner of the world shows you know this this does happen because obviously for me it's normal like these going through this kind of life is normal um but it's only so much now as an adult like speak to more and more people and we're all so different and we're all so like in our own lane you know I don't know much about other people's lives either I don't know like you travel loads like you're a doctor you do blows my mind like I can't you know I'm like wow you know we all, we're all in our own little head our own little world so I think that putting yourself out there especially if you've got a bit of a different story sometimes you do just have to sort of say yeah I'm going to take the jump and help so to answer the spotlight crack um, I, I was never really like I want to be on TV I wasn't really ever like that can't say that I remember they said I got a call from a production company to go for a meeting and of course I was in the meeting and I said oh you know do you want to be on TV I was like yeah yeah I love TV yeah I love it watch it all the time great that TV <laughs> but no I'd, but um no I didn't uh, at the time but then it wasn't until I did the show and it was so amazing I didn't you know I was so much gratitude to BBC they gave me something I never thought I'd have you know answers about my past I got to meet so many different people. It's the first time I probably saw women, working women, in, you know, like, thrown down, you know? Like, you know, you like, every so often you meet people and you're like, whoa, you're amazing, you know? And I got to see these women, uh, and it was just really, it was just a great experience for me. <clears throat> and then they asked me to go back. Uh, the show did well, so they said, can you come back, make some more documentaries? And then I realised what an opportunity it was, because they said, you know, you know do you want to look interest in plastic surgery and Korea well I, they said what do you want what are you interested in and I said I'm interested in these surgeons in uh, Korea because they're apparently the best in the world and really advanced way of doing operations and you know the the rules is sort of different you know whereas here we have GPs you know obviously but GPs heart surgeon plastics you know it's all it's, it's not, everyone kind of can do anything you know it's so kind of they're doing it off their own back almost once they've got the qualifications they're off their own back and obviously with that you have geniuses but what else are you going to get? Nightmare stories, which is what we we, we, we um, got to look into. So, yeah, it was more just like, why wouldn't I love it? You know, it was amazing. I met, I met amazing people. I got to do wonderful things I never thought I'd be able to do. You know, I, I asked them about if I could go and look into this these surgeons. I was 28 weeks pregnant. I said, yeah, got me on a plane. We went over there, was, you know, there filming and having a little adventure for, for two and a half or whatever weeks it was. Um, and then came back, continued. You know, it was just a great opportunity. And then, yeah, it snowballed. I was too scared to look at the comments or anything, so I didn't really know the feedback I got. And I did at the start. I got quite a lot of negative things. I got a lot of lovely things as well, but obviously, as you know, like it's hard to it's 
hard to take the positive, so I had to just not had to ignore it all, which is a shame in some ways. But it's a really long answer for you, but uh, the spotlight—it's just not—it wasn't my thing. It's my own detriment, probably. But um, I'm more about—I just know because of all the things that have gone wrong in my life, nothing is going to be good if I don't feel good. So, like chasing something like a spotlight doesn't make any sense. It doesn't mean anything. The only way that I do love it now is because I have the purpose I want to share. I say, yes, I will lean into it now. People say, you know, will you come on and do this thing? Or, yeah, I want to do it if it's going to help my message and the things that I would like to help with or it makes sense for whatever it is that they're doing. Um, And, yeah, I absolutely will do more. Yeah, for sure. There's always two different talks about doing different documentaries about things. That's very interesting because... I always think it, of it now, which took me a long time to really come to terms with. It's like, you know, if I can help one person change their life in one way whatsoever, then that's enough. And I think that you're, you've are you actually reached so many people from really taking this step off and sharing your story because I know I can only imagine how maybe strange or uncomfortable it might have felt for you as well because I don't know what it, like mainstream stuff is like, right? I have no idea. But I can only imagine that was super, super different or maybe not what you're used to. So mm. I think that's like one of the main reasons why I think your social media as well is going to be and is and it's going to continue to inspire many, many people. So where can they find you on social media as well, Annie? Thanks, Azreen. I appreciate that. You can find me on Instagram on at Annie J Price and Facebook Annie Price and LinkedIn Annie Price. And please do check it out. It will, all the links will be below. And one last question to wrap it up. If you could go back 10 years in time and do one thing differently and it wouldn't affect where you're at right now, what would that one thing be that you would have done differently 10 years ago? Drink less or stop drinking. Do you mind me asking why? Yes. <laughs> can't, can't pretend like I'm going to not say it now um, okay so <clears throat> you said before about how did you get to ask the questions to yourself the right questions at the right time to get the answers you need it's because I, the only way you can really do that is by giving yourself space and time to be bored and time to just sit with your own thoughts alcohol doesn't allow that you know I would go oh what a day alcohol street go glass of wine you know and just because it's a lovely glass just because it's a nice expensive bottle of wine with wonderful cool people you think that that's okay but I could only imagine and it probably makes me feel physically sick the amount of years I've lost by giving myself over to what is a distraction and it didn't allow me to get through things I'm certain I was in one of my relationships because I was drinking <laughs> like and I say that because I, I want people to feel like well that's a bit harsh yeah it is lean into that tell me that tell me your life wouldn't be better if you did the things that you said you were going to do you did the things that you know you could do how can you do that get rid of those distractions and I'm certain there's people that don't drink like I drunk and technically if you saw me you wouldn't say and you know you need to hot for it to AA you'd be like oh she's so sociable she has so much fun but that's the window of fun is just not there 
it's not appropriate. And sure, maybe if you're having one glass of wine and it's fine. But most of us, we have to work. We have to do a certain amount of socialising. We have to do a certain amount of life admin. There's only so much space for this self-care. You know, people want to talk about climbing a mountain or going, you know, going on some retreat or, you know, buying the candles or doing some crystals or whatever. Stop drinking. Give yourself 20 minutes a day and stare at a brick wall. In praise. I'm in praise of nothing. You don't have to call it meditation. You don't have to call it journaling. I'm talking about good old-fashioned, sit down with a cup of tea and stare into space. I'm talking about stop washing away those times that are so important. If you're in a queue, be in a queue. If you're on the train, be on the train. Don't, you know, be on your phone or distraction. Or distra- stop, you know, chill. And I, and I couldn't, I couldn't, and I would never... I didn't know how to get there, you know. I would drink every gap I had to hide, like, sorry, to sort of not hide, but to come out of myself and stare and think and unpick. I didn't take it. And I don't, get me wrong, I didn't go, oh, this is the time to lean in and, you know, unpick my life. But I didn't allow myself because I didn't have the opportunity to because I was constantly doing something. I was constantly drinking. And if I'd taken alcohol away, I think that... My life, yeah, it probably wouldn't have been 100% better by no no means. But it would have given me space to reflect. And that's where you can change. Very interesting insights. And thank you for sharing. I'm sure lots of people can actually take a lot of valuable, tangible information that they can apply into their own lives away from this as well. So thank you so much for sharing your story, Annie. Very much appreciate you having here. So... Please do check out all of Annie's socials as well. And thank you for coming on, Annie. This has been the Elite Health Podcast. Please do check out all the links below as well. And for Annie, send her a message if you need any help as well on your fitness journey or if you want to talk about anything, please do. And thank you, Annie. Thank you. Thank you.